This is Paul Hicks from Waiting for Doom, and you're listening to me, who would be listening to the Longbox Crusade, except I'm doing a promo for them right now. Thank you. You're listening to Longbox Crusade episode... A Lost Episode, featuring Action Comics number 413 from June 1972. to another lost episode of the Longbox Crusade. I'm one of your hosts, Jared Albrecht, the art sale artist, and I invite you to journey with us back to a land before time, April of 2017, a time before the Longbox Crusade had dark web access and both Albrecht brothers had low-tech microphones. Admittedly, it wasn't our finest production value era, but we hope this retro review of Action Comics from 1972 still has some entertainment value for you. We promise to sing some songs and make some jokes, and a bit of Longbox history has happens in this episode. Pat makes a suggestion that we give Jason the nickname Weasel Skull. I guess that one stuck. So journey with us back to 1972 by way of 2017 and enjoy our chit-chat around this giant-sized comic that features three stories. One Superman, one Eclipso, and one Metamorpho. And we might even talk a little Super Turtle. Enjoy! Hello and welcome to episode of the Longbox Crusade, a podcast that covers one or more comic book issues by their cover date, month, and year from the over 20-plus Longboxes that have been collected for the last 40 years and stashed away in my basement. Each episode, we will summarize, review, and reminisce about the issues, ads, and events of the time period. I'm your host, Pat Sampson, and with me is Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist. It's a prescription for danger. And his brother, Jason Albrecht. The Excelsior. You need to find something, Jason. Like the something. The, the something? Yeah. Like the Jason weasel Jason the, the weasel skull. <laughs> All right. Let's get into seeing what crusades you guys have been on or currently looking to be on. Jason. I finished up the crusade that we've talked about to this point. Emerald City Comic Con has came and went. I went with my son, Drake, and we had a great time. Met a lot of great creators, collected some autographs, and met up with an I'll probably butcher his name, and, and John Beatty will be mad at me. Fabian Nicieza, Nicieza, creator of Deadpool, and longtime X-Men scribe, met up with him, and Mike Mignola of Hellboy fame, and one of my favorite comics, Lord Baltimore. And other than that, right now, my main quest is trying to kill through that stack of comics I got on my bedstand table there. <laughs> I keep reading them, but somehow that pile still keeps growing. Been there, done that, still have to do that. <laughs> Hence why this is a podcast about reading them all. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> so welcome to the club. Thank you. Thank you. It's a good club to be in. It's a good problem to have. Too many comics to read. No such thing. How about you, Jared? I'm nearing completion on reading the 19, I want to say 90, maybe it was 91, 50 issue run on Animal Man. So I'm almost finished with that. So that's kind of what I've been reading. And then, you know, just the usual. I've been working real hard on the cold lightning comic book that I'm working on over at White Rocket Books with the ever popular Van Allen Plexico. After that, I'm going to knock out my Booster Gold trade paperback because I know somebody in Wisconsin is waiting for it. Oh, yeah. I'm waiting for that. <laughs> you know what we should do? You should call me and then you can read it to me. I'll do voices and sound effects and everything. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, but I would say probably the best show that we ever got before this era upon us was probably the Batman animated series from the 90s. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. I can't think off the top of my head anything else that was just that good. I think you could make an argument for Superman 77. Oh, yeah, yeah, think, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I think, I, you totally make an argument for that. I think that was the first one that, like, for me was captured. Like, this was something I really liked. And then as a kid, I really liked Superman 2 because there was more action and more him fighting other guys on, on his level. So those two movies for me were, were right up oh, there. Yeah. But I'll co-sign that. 
Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. I, no, no disrespect to those. those are great, great movies. But yeah, I think those are definitely the shining gems before the, you know, before like 89 when Batman hit. And then I sort of, I yeah. think that, I think Batman kind of ushered in slowly our world of superheroes. I think it really got going with, um, a lot of people like to say X-Men in 2000, but I'm going to crank it back just to Blade. I think Blade really kind of hit I that in, like it hit that inside the park double. You know, yeah. <laughs> where it was like, without, hey. without without the success of Blade, there's no X Men. I I firmly believe that Blade got the ball rolling for Marvel, and even X Men. I mean, the first movie, you know, they they let out there with with arguably the most popular title um, that Marvel had, and they still like they dipped their toe in the water with that one. You know, yeah, like, I'm actually like, not a, I'm not a big fan of the first movie. It's kind of boring. Yeah. It's like they're like, we'll give you an X-Men movie, but we're a little nervous about this. Yeah. The next two came along and they popped the cork off and that movie was fantastic. Yeah, I agree. I don't know what any of this has to do with Action Comics 413, but... (laughs) Oh, well, Pat, we actually didn't get your thoughts on that. What are some of your favorite pre-Batman, pre-89 comic book properties? Now that we've named the good ones, we'll mock anything that you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Shut up, Pat. Well, you know what? I'm going to throw this out there, Pat. You tell me what you think. I think, even though with the limitations of special effects and everything, I think the Incredible Hulk TV show is not bad. Oh, yeah. I agree. I think Bill Bixby is highly underrated. Mm -hmm. I think Bill Bixby is is an absolute hero of the comic book world that kind of doesn't get talked about enough. Well, Lou Ferrigno gets his his chops. I mean, he gets the cred for for being the Hulk. It's just amazing that they actually got a guy to play the Hulk and carry that off. You know, it's Mm -hmm. that was pretty amazing in and of itself. Which came first, though, going back to the animated series, did the X-Men cartoons come first or did the Bruce Tim Batmans come first? Oh, man, right about the same time. I my spider sense says that it was the Batman's. I think I, it I, was the Batman. I can't back that up with paperwork. Because X Men yeah. cartoons, I think, were another one that really kind of bridged that gap a little bit. The only problem with the X Men cartoons is they outsmarted themselves. You know, they were putting like multi episode arcs in, and you know, they were making it for comic fans, and you know, it didn't catch on with kids. And you got to get the kid market. That's where Batman hit that sweet spot. It's fun for kids and adults. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. However, I will say that the X-Men were smart because they made a killing on the DVD and back then the VHS sales because because oh, yeah. they did those long arcs, they would collect them into those. Basically, they would trade paperbacks. Yeah, yeah. Trade paperbacks on VHS. That's a really good analogy, Pat. They're yeah. trade paperbacks on VHS. I don't know if you remember, Jared, when we watched Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Yeah, yeah. yeah which yeah, yeah. was like one of my favorite Saturday morning cartoons. Oh, yeah. And occasionally they would team up with the X-Men. And back then it was like Colossus, Storm, Wolverine, Nightcrawler, Cyclops. And, I still uh, remember when those episodes would come on and I'd just be like, what? Like my mind was blown, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I was a huge Wolverine fan by this point. And I'm like, oh, they got Wolverine on there. You know, because it was a Saturday morning cartoon in the 80s. It's like they couldn't really have Wolverine do anything. Like, it's not like he can kill anybody with his claws. Every episode ended up with him having his claws out and getting stuck in something. Like, he'd attack Magneto and Magneto would do his thing. And then he'd end up impaling his claws into a wall and he'd just be stuck there and i'd be like this is such crap man (laughs) (laughs) i waited all week for this yeah i know and he had like an australian accent too like the the character i'll get him (laughs) drats i'm stuck in a wall again (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if that's kind of a pirate but you get the idea it was Aren't both. all Australians That's pirates? I, I don't know. Check with the Doom Patrol <laughs> guys. What, That's what I thought. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> well, if you ever listen to the Waiting for Doom podcast, those guys are from Australia. They do a Doom Patrol. They probably could tell us whether or not they're all pirates. Uh, okay. We'll have to ask them. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to ask them. <laughs> I'll write that down. Yeah. If, if everybody's listening show. or if you, if you guys are listening, let us know. Are you guys pirates? Yes or no? <laughs> What percentage of your countrymen are pirates? <laughs> We're guessing it's a hundred percent. Seems like we might have shot high. <laughs> the, the thoughts well, and expressions of Jason Albright do not represent long <laughs> You're gonna get us in trouble with other podcasts, so <laughs> anyway, what's this show about? <laughs> 
think wait, did we, wait, wait, or something. did we get Pat's crusade? I don't know that we did. I know that for the last few, at least, you've been working on reorganizing your comics. You finished that yet or what? What's no, the story on that? No, I haven't finished what, that at all yet. That's what you get so, for being married. Other than that, this podcast is becoming a crusade, getting editing on some of the other episodes. That's going to be my crusade. So with that, we want to invite you to be a part of the show by submitting your comments and memories, which will be read later on in the show. All links and pictures for this episode are in the show notes and can be found at the website longboxcrusade.com. Please add the podcast to your favorite podcast feed or from iTunes. You can also follow the podcast on Facebook and Twitter by the handle at longboxcrusade. We hope you can come along with us on this crusade to read them all. Now, before we get started with this episode's issue, let's take a quick podcast promo break from a friend of the show. We'll be right back. Come back. Back through the Fire and Water Network. Come back with the Supermates. I said, come back. Back to the House of Frankenstein. The Supermates present four blood-curdling films with an all-star cast. Lon Chaney Jr. I know you'll think I'm crazy, but in a half an hour the moon will rise and I'll turn into a wolf. Gary Busey. I'm a little too old to be playing the Hardy Boys meet Reverend Werewolf. Christina Ricci. I'd love to have a tame one, but I wouldn't have the heart to cage him. Corey Haynes. I want you to turn this into a silver bullet. Bela Lugosi. You should be careful. A person can get killed that way. Johnny Depp. No, you must believe me. It was a horseman, a dead one. Headless. Peter Cushing. Have you heard of the cult of the undead? Bud Abbott and Lou Costello. Do you know what could happen if I meet Dracula in the woods? I'll bite. Oh no, you gotta stand in line. Plus four monstrous battles with your favorite comic book heroes. I sense you're trying to resist this evil, Batman. Open your mind so I can help you. Destroy me, Jean. Booster Gold, Vampire Slayer. This September and October, come back to the Fire and Water Network and the home of horror and heroes. I believe you're in the house of Dracula right now. No, wrong address. Come back to the house of Frankenstein. Back. Back. Yes, master. He thinks I'm Dracula. <laughs> Welcome back from the promo break. Now let's get started with the show. Today's Avenger from the Long Box is... Action Comics, number 413, cover dated June 1972. It's a big 52-page comic that contains three stories and two one-pager stories. The credits for this issue are provided by Mike's Amazing World of Comics website. The publisher is DC, cover date at June 1972, but it was on sale as of April 27, 1972, with just a cover price of 25 cents. It had a story page count of 48 pages. On the cover, we see Superman over the city in pain, grabbing at his chest as off to the side, a older looking gentleman with a pointy nose is pointing a pin into a little doll of Superman. Across the bottom, it says the voodoo doom of Superman. Plus, you have the first of a new series with Metamorpho. Let's go to Jason. Jason, what do you think of the cover? I like the cover quite a lot, actually. I think the art on it is really good. The colors are vibrant. It's got the classic action comics title across the top. You've got the menacing villain in the foreground. In the near background, you have Superman contorting himself, looking like he's in pain. And it definitely makes you want to open up the cover and read what's going on because, you know, Man of Steel isn't supposed to be in pain. So what's up with that? So, yeah, I think the cover is really good. One of the better ones I've seen in a little while. The cover artist... I didn't mention is Nicholas Peter Carty, according to Mike's site. Oh, okay. Well, he did a good job. Jared, what do you think? Concur with Jason. This is a good-looking cover. There's a couple things that I'll mention on it that Jason didn't mention because he covered just about everything. It's great art. What catches my eye is three things. One, 52 pages for a quarter. Man. (laughs) (laughs) 
And, yeah, yeah. And having read all 52 of these pages, I can big tell you pages. that is a good deal. <laughs> yeah, big pages. Big pages, it says. Big pages. Mm-hmm. That is a deal, man. The other things that I, just artistically speaking, I really like the way, and I don't know if it's just my copy or if you guys see it the same way. I really like the color fade behind Superman, yellow down to white. Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. And then I really, really like, this goes back to my original, the, the only formal art training I've ever had was architectural art. And I really like that sketch city gives it that depth, the way it just kind of goes and fades out of the background. And Jason's right. I mean, the foreground, the menacing villain, the writhing Superman, the action, the colors, it absolutely pops. This is an A-plus cover. When I pulled that out of the cheap bins recently, that's what caught my eye too on it. I was like, oh, this looks really interesting. Plus 52 pages for the price that I got it at was pretty good. So I got this issue from a local comic book store in one of the bins. Yeah? Yeah. Do you mind sharing what you paid for it? I paid it 25 cents. They had a sale going on and it was for four dollar. You done good, buddy. Yeah. So I actually got it for the cover price. So that is yard sale artist approved right ah, there, man. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Can't hate on that. It's also That's brother of the yard sale artist approved. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, the store that I went to, they were trying to liquidate some of their stuff. So man, I wish I had more money because there was a lot more there that I wanted to grab. I shouldn't have got married. Yeah. <laughs> Amen to that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. But with that, let's get into the story here. So, Jason, you have the first story. There were some audio issues with Jason's recording, so I'll be stepping in to take over the description of this part of the issue for my big brother, Jason. This segment of Action Comics is the official Superman segment, and this story is entitled The Voodoo Doom of Superman. Our story begins as some mob bosses come to see the mysterious Dr. Mystere, bringing him items that are all connected to Superman in one way or another. Mystere uses the items to create a voodoo doll of the Man of Steel, and by attacking certain points on the doll, Mystere is able to shut off some of Superman's powers and abilities. Superman is able to use his remaining abilities to get himself out of a few jams, but this new problem is becoming more and more difficult for the Man of Tomorrow. It's not long before Lex Luthor catches wind of this new anti-Superman player in town, and Luthor seeks an audience with Dr. Mystere. It doesn't take a brilliant mind like Luther's long to figure out that Mystere is actually Brainiac, and the voodoo doll is actually a rare Kandorian technology that allows him to disrupt Superman's powers. Lex and Brainiac team up for the final destruction of Superman, but the son of Jor-El is already onto their scheme and comes prepared, this time devising a way to protect himself from the Kandorian voodoo doll. Brainiac is so angry at being defeated, he seemingly self-destructs, taking Lex Luthor with him in the blast. But I doubt that's the last we'll see of these age-old Superman foes. And that, my friends, is the Voodoo Doom of Superman. Well, thanks. Jared, what did you think of the story? I found this story to be surprisingly good. When you told me we were going to do this book from the early 70s, to me, a lot of the early 70s books are just so bizarre and zany or or just, I don't know. I sometimes have hard times with them in their goofiness or whatnot. But this one was a lot of fun. It had its goofiness, but it had a good plot twist. I liked the Brainiac and Lex Luthor sort of team up they had going on. It was a good issue. I really enjoyed it. I think you're right there with the early 70s stories are kind of different compared to the stories now, but I definitely like the twist where we find out you know, Brainiac is the actual mastermind behind some of this stuff, getting teamed up with Luthor as well. I like how Superman eventually figures out what's happening and then kind of plays the same trick right back on them. Jason, what do you think? In full disclosure, Superman is not my favorite superhero character, not one that I've traditionally followed outside of like, you know, Justice League books or something like that. So I kind of went into this thinking kind of like Jared did, not one of my favorite characters. 1970s is probably going to be pretty cheesy, but I agree. I really enjoyed it. And like you guys noted, I thought the twist was really good and it it really caught me by surprise. Historically, magic has always been kind of like one of Superman's weaknesses. So I thought that's the route they were going to go, play up his vulnerability to voodoo magic. And so when they revealed it to be Brainiac and the technology being from Kandorian science, I was like, wow, they really thought this through and kind of tied this together pretty well. You know, some of the moments were a little cheesy. I thought probably the cheesiest one was where he foils the robbery using a combination of his telescopic vision, x-ray vision, and his heat vision. Because I'm thinking, I think there are probably a lot of obstacles from where he's lying in that bed 
to yeah. that pile of gold. And, you know, I wonder how many people got incinerated on the way to foiling that robbery. And then I'm like, did you really foil it when you just like, you know, it's kind of like, well, I just set the whole pile of money on fire and now nobody gets it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Somebody's a, still missing some gold or... <laughs> a little more suspension of disbelief that I really like there. But I, I thought some of the other stuff was really cool as well. You know, using the ultrasonic voice as, a, as kind of a radar system was kind of neat. Yeah. Uh, using his breath to cushion his fall. It really was kind of a good way to force Superman as a character to kind of think through some things and display some of his other powers that you may not see so much as he relies heavily on flight strength and invulnerability. And the ending part. It shows the two, Luther and Brainiac, as like kind of ghostly white figures. And he's talking. I'm like, I'm kind of still confused by that. Are they dead? Are they, did Brainiac do something where they're just like transported somewhere else? I, I don't get it. Yeah, it said he was disintegrating and yeah. that Lex Luthor was caught in the ray. But I don't know. If I was disintegrating, I think I would not be as chill about it as Lex Luthor is. Right there. Yeah, just like, yeah, he's talking to Superman. Yeah, don't, don't cry to yeah. Superman. Okay. Don't cry for me, yeah. Superman. Don't you cry yet tonight. I'll still love you, baby. <laughs> There's a krypton above you. <laughs> Off topic here now. Since you did that. What? You guys, you guys started it. <laughs> There's two versions of that song. Which version do you like better? Oh, that's a good question. One by Guns N' Roses. No, they're both by Guns N' Roses. I know. I just don't know the difference. I like them both. If we could see tomorrow, what are your plans? That one, version two. Yeah, version two. I can go either way, man. They were both great songs. I'd like them too. So why don't we put that (laughs) message out to our fans? Anyone listening, which version of the Guns N' Roses Don't You Cry song was your favorite version? Off of the two Use Your Illusion CDs. Anyway, back to the story. What do you guys think of the art? Art was done by Kurt Swan as penciler and inker was Murphy Anderson. I thought the art was actually very, very good. Again, this issue continues to surprise me. Sometimes I feel like when I go back, well, this might be an incorrect assumption. I feel like, well, when I go back to the older art, it's all kind of cheesy and not what I'm used to. But maybe I'm getting older and getting more of appreciation for it. Or maybe I was just wrong to begin with. I thought it was great. I thought it had a lot of detail. This is back in the day when they're cramming nine panels per page and still making it look good. Solid work here. I have zero complaints about the art in this book. I agree. Just to kind of jump onto that point, a couple key examples is the very first page when you see Dr. Mystere's occult objects. I mean, there's a lot of detail that really sets up the feel of the room. And as we know, you know, sometimes ours will kind of take shortcuts on stuff like that, but not Mr. Swan. He really lays out the setting really well. And to Jared's point, you flip the page in the next one, you've got nine panels right here. And each panel is good and tells the story. And the way it's laid out is just really good. All the action scenes are very clear. Each panel serves the story. There's not a lot of wasted space. When I read comics, the art is one thing, but I think the other thing is how the art services the story. There are a lot of amazing artists out there that don't efficiently tell a story. This is an artist who understands how to use the skills that he's acquired to help tell the story. Looking back at this, because it's, you know, 1972, this is before I was born and I wouldn't have read it back then. Just going back and seeing the art at the time, I don't want to say the costumes, but the characters and what they're wearing and and that, uh, you know, it it took me back to that time of, you know, 1972 when this was drawn. You could really feel Luther's wearing a sweater and, um, <laughs> yeah, business suits that the the guys in the beginning are wearing, you know, typical seventies kind of character looking guys, totally fit the scene. So I loved it. You guys have anything else to mention about this issue, or should we go on to the next story? Your guys' votes on if you could only own one page. Okay, I gotta flip back through. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll buy you some time since I already picked mine out. Even though there's not a lot of action happening, it's the story page number ten. It's where Brainiac's telling the story 
story of the android that rebuilt him. I just like it because I think visually Brainiac is a great looking character and you get some Brainiac, you get some Superman and you get some Lex Luthor all on one page. So that's the one I would take and hang up. Yeah, I'm kind of thinking the same one. It would either be that one or the page number four where Superman's destroying the building. You like Superman destroying the building? I'm kind of caught between the two, but I think I'd choose your page. I like that page too, but I think the one that I would go with is probably, I guess it would be page 12, the scene where there's the fire going and you have the top panel, you have the fire trucks Mm -hmm. and the firefighters racing into the fire. And then you've got Brainiac in disguise and Lex Luthor setting the doll on fire. And then the last panel is Superman catching fire. Which, you know, we know it's not, but I think that from a villain's perspective, that's a pretty powerful page. Mm -hmm. I don't think you can go wrong with hardly any of these pages, but yeah, I think those are good choices. I think that did make it a little bit harder because they were all neat in their own little way. Cool. Why don't we go ahead and move on to the next story here? Jared is going to take us through. Oh, you were serious about that? Yeah. (laughs) Hang on. Let me read it. All right. We'll be right back. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> blah, 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 Calypso, Calypso, something, Calypso, something. Calypso. All right, yes. <laughs> the second story in this wonderful collection is a story called The Man Who Destroyed Calypso. According to Mike's Amazing World of Comics, this is a Bob Haney with art by Alex Toth. Yes, it's an Alexander Toth issue, so you know it's going to look good. The man is iconic, and the issue looks good. I'll go ahead and tell you that right off the bat. I chose this one when Pat threw it out there which ones we wanted to read because I know almost nothing about Eclipso so I thought it'd be fun to kind of dive into the character. So off we go. I kind of knew he was kind of a bad guy so apparently he's sort of a bad guy entity that lives in the body of a good dude whose name is Bruce Gordon. I like to think of that as if Commissioner Gordon ever had a kid he'd name him Bruce makes total sense to me. Mm -hmm. So it starts out with Bruce Gordon and his girlfriend Mona. They are at a fair. They have like an Eclipso house of evil and Bruce is girlfriend Mona's like, we should totally check out that haunted house. Bruce is like, this is probably not a good idea. He's worried that they're going to have eclipses because apparently real or fake eclipses trigger his transformation into the Eclipso villain. And because he's worried about that, he does what any of us would do. And he still goes in just wears a monkey mask so that he doesn't see the eclipse, which is weird because the monkey mask has holes in it. Anyway, moving on. Of course the monkey mask gets blown off his face. Of course the fake eclipse happens. And of course, he turns into Eclipso. He grabs Mona, terrorizes the folks on the roller coaster before jumping off. But by the time he lands, the Eclipso effects are starting to wear off. He and Mona beat feet back to his house. Mona's father gives Bruce a note from Bruce's old school pal, Judson Randall. And Judson Randall sent him a note that says, hey, I can cure you of the Eclipso curse. So he goes to meet his old friend and classmate, Judson Randall, who has, through a series of his own adventures, (laughs) become basically a stagnant being of light. Like, he still has his consciousness, but he's just sort of sitting there. Don't ask questions. Just trust me on that. So, and he is successful in separating the Eclipso persona from Bruce. But guess what? Judson's kind of a bad guy and all he really wanted all along was to take the Eclipso persona out so that he could use it for his own nefarious deeds. He throws Bruce into a makeshift prison and uses Eclipso to go steal a nuclear weapon. Eclipso then and returns the bomb back to the pyramid headquarters where Judson is just in time for the Air Force has gotten involved and they do what the Air Force does. They bomb the crap out of the bad guy's pyramid and that ends the story with Judson presumably dead. We're kind of unsure of what happened to the Eclipso portion of things, although Bruce is fairly convinced it will return to ruin his life some more. Who's got questions? I do. (laughs) I'm just made of questions right now. (laughs) So, fellas, what do you think? Pat, what are your thoughts? Oh, I have so many that it's... And that was another reason, you know, trying to figure out who and what Eclipso is. My dealings, I'm still very uh, unclear. <laughs> my dealings with him was in the early 90s with the, the event that DC did with Eclipso, the darkness within, through the annuals where he kind of mind controlled everybody, gave them the dark side. I liked that story. Still wasn't sure about who and what he was. And I was thinking with this, they might have given me a little more background, but... Maybe not so much. (laughs) (laughs) Good luck, everyone. Yeah, it's like it's a good guy, but then he's got this bad guy. You know, he's got that bad.
bad yeah, boy. Like, yeah, Bruce is a good dude, but... He's got that Donnie Wahlberg of the new kids where he's bad, and, you know. <laughs> not, he's burning things down and, you know, starting <laughs> fires in the apartment room, so... We're all just made of questions when it comes yeah. to Eclipse. <laughs> <laughs> do I want to look into this a little bit more? I kind of do, but I kind of don't just because I got other things I want to do. <laughs> yeah, time permitting. Yeah, so it might be, like, cool to see a who's who entry on this yeah that might be a quick thing way to look up yeah i definitely have more questions than i have answers and understanding it as well how they got the separation how does the other clips all work with the separation i got questions how about you jason <laughs> i don't have any answers for you i think i've got some of the same questions you do and a few more like number one why would you go to a fair or a circus that has an eclipso house of evil and then willingly go in it i i <laughs> Don't know. That, and I'm not sure, like, I, like and then, <laughs> I don't know where to begin with this, but, like, so he thinks about putting on a monkey mask. A monkey mask is apparently going to protect him from the Eclipso curse, for lack of a better term. And then his monkey mask scheme is foiled by an air jet. <laughs> oh god it why not just, and it, it just kind of goes downhill from there and then he climbs up the side of a roller coaster i'm not sure like is eclipso like evil or is eclipse just like a d- i can't <laughs> quite figure it out because it doesn't really do anything that's like evil evil except stealing a nuclear missile i guess but shoot everybody was doing that in the 70s <laughs> Every it's bond. Like a Diet Coke of evil, man. <laughs> yeah. And then let's talk about Randall. What in the world was that thing? The force field thing. What was the story behind that? I don't know. Uh, I didn't get it. Comics. Because comics. It's comics. Yeah. I spent a lot of time being really confused and wondering, is there a backstory or a primer or something that I'm missing on this? But the story was okay. It just had some moments of just incredible ridiculousness, I guess. I had way too many questions to have enjoyed this story. How about you, Jaron? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's about the long and short of it. I sat there and was like, yeah, like Bruce Gordon's a good dude. Eclipso, is he, apparently he's bad because once you let him off the chain, he's stealing nukes, which last time I checked was bad. So, yeah, I think we're all just kind of in yeah. a quandary here about we don't have enough Eclipso background. Yeah. I guess the story could have done a better job of giving that to us, but I mean, yeah. it was fun. It looks great <laughs> because yeah, it's Alex Talk. It's very in the same vein as the last issue. Mm-hmm. And I guess I'm jumping ahead to talk about art, but it's still crammed panels that looked fantastic. Yeah, story-wise, it's oddball and goofy, but eh, I'll survive. With that, uh, why don't we go into what page would you keep? Dude, there's some good pages in here now, don't Would you really want one from this one? <laughs> <laughs> I- Based on the story, I don't know. I'm like art-wise, so there's no the, real I, standout pages either. I, I mean, they're probably good. the best one was probably the cover page, just because you had. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Other than that, they're all kind of kind of the same. I mean, the art's good. I'm with yeah. you. I don't want to say that it's bad. I, there's not one that really grabs me. I never had a hankering to have a spot on my wall that says I got to have something from Eclipso here. Yeah, I would. Poor Eclipso. Yeah. It says originally Eclipso was written as a generic villain with average superpowers who would routinely enact an elaborate plot to fulfill his hedonistic motivations. However, the darkness within miniseries modified the character to be an evil and megalomaniacal entity. Eclipso's character laments the power he once had as a spirit of divine vengeance. Eclipso would frequently seek to possess beings of incredible power like Superman, Largand, and Captain Marvel to achieve his ends. And it said that he is the incarnation of the wrath of God and the angel of vengeance that turned evil and was replaced by the specter. First hmm. appeared in House of Secrets number 61. So he's Ghost Rider? I guess, man. Okay, Ghost Rider. And, and Bruce Gordon was named after Bruce Wayne and Commissioner Gordon as an in-joke. Oh, really? So I made a joke that was actually close. All right, I'm proud of that. Jason's skills come through again. I think I he's proven his worth on this show, man. You know what? I'm going to ask our listener and audience to participate here. And if anybody is an Eclipso fan or has read a lot of Eclipso, write into us, tweet us, Facebook us, whatever, comment, and let us know what stories we should 
look into and see because I am still like I said I I did kind of enjoy the annuals event that went on where Eclipso the Darkness Within and that's where he was kind of taking over some of the superhero bodies and and making them do certain things. But I never read that, so yeah. I'll take your word for it. But if somebody out there knows a little more knowledge than us or than what our quick on the hands computer whiz Jason can do. <laughs> <laughs> Google Wiz. Wiki Wiz. Wiki Wiz, yeah. There you go. We'll get a name for you. The Wiki It's not a bad band name. We always come up with yeah. one good band name. I kind of like Wiki Wiz. Wiki Wiz. It's like a ska band. Yeah. I'm trying to rhyme, but they can't rhyme like this. <laughs> so now we're just doing old crisscross songs. <laughs> hey, that, well, that totally fits in with the Eclipso, the crisscross. There you go. Well, like I said, if somebody wants to send in and let us know a little more information, I'd be interested in. Anything else on this, guys? His girlfriend is really understanding. (laughs) (laughs) And her father, too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think if I was her father, I'd be like, no, you're not seeing that dude anymore. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Pack your things. Move him back in with daddy. My boyfriend's a part-time (laughs) supervillain. Yeah. Let's help him. (laughs) Yeah. His supervillain powers is to act out his hedonistic impulses. He's just a jerk. (laughs) So he's got the same superpowers as, like, you know, the teenage boy, basically. Well, with that, I think we'll get into the third story that's in this big size issue. Let's get into that right now. And that story is with Metamorpho. And the story is called The Seven Sins of Simon Sag. According to Mike's, and actually in the book, it says it's by Bob Haney. The pencils were done by John Kalen, and inker is Murphy Anderson. And it's a metamorpho, the element man. It's nighttime, and within the Simon Sags mansion, we see metamorpho and sapphire getting fab freaky upon each other in a room. Simon Stagg and his helper, Java, are in the lab. There is a knock on the mansion door. Stag finds his old classmate Ulysses Bronson there. Stag introduces him to Sapphire and Rex, who is metamorpho, and they all sit by the fireplace, listening to Ulysses butter up Stag. Ulysses tells them about his life's greatest project and his labor of love, the Morality Mountain. He invites them all to go there to be his guests and to see it. As they get close to the entrance, they see that it looks frightening. Once inside, Louis begins to show them around the exhibits. The first one is a statue to the first of the seven deadly sins, Pride. He shows them the next two statues, Covetedness and Gluttony. Each statue, though, is missing a face, and Ulysses tells them that he has run out of money to finish his life's work. Stag provides him a check for $1 million to finish the work. Several weeks later, Stag gets a message that Morel Mountain is finished. Ulysses asks Rex, Sapphire, and Java to wait in the lounge room and closes the door. The tour begins and Ulysses shows Stag the first, second, and third statues. Stag notices that they all have his face on them now. Ulysses explains that it was his plan all along to show Stag what a monster he was and also show the world. Ulysses pulls a gun on Stag to kill him. Stag tells him Metamorpho will come to save him. But Ulysses tells him that the element of man has problems of his own. We cut to the lounge room where the floor has opened into a pool of acid and Metamorpho is in it. But he was fast enough to transform his hand into a flat surface that Sapphire and Java could be on. Metamorpho can start to feel the acid dissolving him. But now he needs to figure out a way to get out of the acid fast. And that's where their story concludes. Dun, dun, dun. So, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Jared, what'd you think? Metamorpho. The third and final story, The Seven Sins of Simon Stagg is very alliterative. The story, kind of like Eclipso, leaves me scratching my head. I mean, I get it a little more so, but Jason and I were talking earlier. In fact, I called him two days ago for his birthday, and we both commented about this Metamorpho story. Like, we don't quite understand... <laughs> Why Rex Mason totally hangs out with this guy that he knows is a villain. I mean, I kind of understand because, I mean, check out that girl. The the daughter's like like all over him. He's just like, kiss me in that fab freakish way. (laughs) I mean, I guess when you you look like Metamorpho (laughs) and a woman like that is into you, you don't rock that boat. 
You know what I'm saying? So. It's a big house, man. It's a big house. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but other than that, this story was a little bit fun. But on the other hand, it was a little contrived. I mean, I think we all knew the minute that that guy showed up and the statues were faces. We all knew where this was going. Would you say that girl's a super freak? <laughs> super freak. Okay. No. I mean, don't take to your mother. Don't, don't take home to mama. That's right. But, you know, Metamorpho was like, hey, I got this good thing. This girl super is super freak. hot. Yeah. Her dad tried to kill me, and he's the reason I've got this freakish deformity. But, I mean, mm, it's cool. Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> you know, so you can't really fault his logic. Yeah. Other than that, yeah, that, it's just, like I said, it's a little predictable. It's still fun, though. I don't know a lot about Metamorpho. I just know a little bit about him. So it was fun for me. Jason, how about you? I think I'm in alignment there. I think that this is kind of what I was expecting from a 70s comic. The Metamorpho. Yeah, Super Freak. But yeah, I mean, again, that's my favorite part is when it shows the house and it's got the cutaway of Stag down in the basement with his little Igor dude doing his mad experiment. And then you got upstairs, you know, she go kiss me again, love her in that fab freakish way. That's my favorite part of the story. Anyway. If you look at most of the pictures with Rex or Metamorpho and the girl, he's always touching her. You're right. You're the one. They're holding hands and yeah. he's got his hand on her shoulder. It's very demonstrative. Yeah. Yeah. He's leaning over while she's sitting in the chair. He's got his hand over her shoulder again. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good eye, Pat. This was a rather elaborate revenge plot, I will say. Yeah. <laughs> this guy this put guy, the time in. This guy hated Simon Stagg. <laughs> I'll say that. I don't know how this turns out, but I can yeah. see how you would hate him, though. I mean, it, yeah, I just would have shot him, though. I don't even think Metamorpho <laughs> would really like, you know, be like, eh, eh, got kind of had it coming, you know. <laughs> don't start nothing, won't be nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I do kind of wonder yeah. how, how it ends up. Does he help? Yeah, me too. You know, I, I was thinking, though, too, the cliffhanger of a comic, the intent is to make you want to go out and buy the next issue. And I got to think that this is a Superman comic, and the Metamorpho story is just like a side story. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, like, why they left the cliffhanger with the Metamorpho story and not the Superman story. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, wouldn't you want your most popular character, the A-lister, to do the cliffhanger so you can you know, they told a short Superman story at the beginning, and then they had a self-contained Eclipso story in the middle, and then they had the opening story of Metamorpho there at the end. And I gotta think, I don't know there'd be too many Metamorpho fans out there. I'm just wondering what their thought process was there. That's all. Yeah, I, I totally do not know a lot about him. I think I know a little bit more just from reading this, but it's not a lot either, that he can change himself into different things. I'm sure there are fans of Metamorpho Metamorpho out there. And if you are, let us know. <laughs> I'm sure there are probably some passionate fans out there. And yeah, I definitely don't want to insult anybody. I'm just saying that it seems funny that you, from a marketing perspective, that you'd leave your hook in the third Metamorpho story and not the first Superman story. That's all I'm saying. Art-wise, what do you guys think, Jason? You know, I thought the art was pretty solid. Again, I think that there's a fair amount of detail. I like particularly that opening scene that I described with the cutaway. It really has a good rainy, dark, gloomy feel to it. And they capture some good facial expressions along the way here. Nice color, nice layout, serves the story well. I'd say the art's pretty solid. I'll leave that to the expert, though, see what Jared thinks. I think it's drawn good. <laughs> it draws good. It draws good. Metamorpho himself is just a visually appealing character because he's got a lot going on. You know, he's got a lot of colors and all that stuff. Although Metamorpho doesn't appear in a lot of panels in the story. And when he does, it's pretty minor until the very end. He starts ratcheting up the action. But yeah, I'm going to have to fall back on the same comment that we've made on the previous two stories. This guy's packing in a ton of story and a little bit of space. That's very difficult on an artist. And this guy, who was this? This was uh, J.C. Anderson? J.C.? Um. What? You, you said it earlier. He's, he's on top of his game. Yeah, I think Anderson did the inks and JC did the pencil. It doesn't matter. They did a great job is what I'm getting at. It's solid. I don't see any bad spots. Tons of little... I mean, look at Morality Mountain on like the yeah. fourth page of the story. I mean, look how... That's like George Perez level of detail in the backgrounds. Everybody yeah, looks good. figures in the background. Yeah. Yeah. As an anchor. Well, that probably took the penciler a long time to make that real pretty. As soon as that page hit that anchor's table, he's like, damn it. <laughs> this is gonna take a while but lots of minute detail art looks 
solid. Let's pose the question, and I think we're all going to pick the same page. <laughs> Which one of these we'd hang on our wall? I'll give you a hand. It's page one. Everybody's going to pick page one. <laughs> you, know? yeah. you can't go wrong with an origin recap. Yeah, Even if true. it's a weird one, like this man tried to have him killed, and now I live in his house. That's right. <laughs> Sleeping I, with his daughter. I do like the next page, though, with the rain okay. and getting uh, freaky, super fabulous freaky there. <laughs> it's just because you like it when, when Rex gets freaky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I've never seen him get freaky anywhere else. <laughs> he's, I'm sure he's got a lot of options being metamorpho and all. <laughs> I will say, though, he looks like he's having way too good a time mowing down what looks to be like spear-throwing natives on that top left corner. He's yeah, got, he's like, he's just smiling. Having a good time. <laughs> yeah. well, Metamorpho might want to get a little counseling in there. <laughs> yeah, why don't you calm down, Metamorpho? <laughs> yeah, you enjoy this way too much. I do like the Horror Mountain page, though, too. I think that's pretty cool, like you indicated. I mean, that's yeah. just... That's pretty cool. But yeah, you're right. Three cat page. That's, <laughs> I don't think there's much to debate on that one. <laughs> Overall, this was really an enjoyable book. I yeah. paid more than a quarter for it, so I'm a little pissed. But uh, <laughs> but I still think I got some good value. It was. Yeah. It's really entertaining. Good pick. Good find for a quarter. Yep. Yeah, it is. Just to throw a quick curve into this, since we have not rehearsed this at all, but I'd just be interested. And we'll start with Pat. Rank order the, the stories. Which one gets first place, second, and third for you? Okay. Mm, I'm going to go Superman, Metamorpho, Eclipse. Jason? I agree. How about you, Jared? I am very similar. I'm going to go Superman. And then I think I'm going to give the edge to Eclipso just because of Alex Toth. I mean, all the art was really good, but it's a, it's a tight race. Yeah, you got to get some Toth points. I agree. Yeah. I still pick my ranking but I understand where you're coming from. There are two little stories, one pager <laughs> stories in here. One is from Super Turtle, and uh, <laughs> it's the first I've heard of that. A quick recap on this one, where Super Turtle comes to the rescue of a tipped-over tomato truck in the middle of a street. Police officer that is on the scene asks Super Turtle if he would help him move the truck to the next street. Super Turtle is happy to oblige as he picks up the truck and moves it over to the next street. He comes back and tells the police officer that he's left the truck on Elm Street and wanted to know why he wanted it to be moved. And the police officer tells him, we have to make a written report. And I was having trouble spelling Kazdanskio Street. Did I say that right? Do you know me? Uh, you can't, yeah, yeah. If you can't say it, then you know that police officer isn't going to be able to spell it. <laughs> Super Turtle has a stunned kind of look on his face. Wah, wah, wah. Your thoughts on this story. Let's start with Jared. <laughs> <laughs> the engrossing tale of Super Turtle. I mean, what are his origins? What's his previous relationship with this cop? Why is the cop so lazy he won't walk around the truck? Why tomatoes? Why not some other fruit or vegetable? If, does he fly slow? Yeah, does he fly does slow? He, good question. Is he related to the Ninja Turtles? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good question. I just don't know. Again, I am made of questions when it comes to Super Turtle. Would you say this has left you more questions than with Eclipso? Yeah, I'd say as many. Okay. I mean, because <laughs> I got nothing on either one of them. I have a better time accepting Super Turtle for who he is <laughs> than I do Eclipso. I understand. Right. <laughs> How about you, Jason? I think Super Turtle, he's an enigma wrapped in a riddle. Uh, <laughs> I thought the joke was kind of funny. I'll say that. I, th I, I chuckled at the joke. Yeah, the joke was good. Uh, yeah, it was cute. Why don't we go ahead and hit the other story of Super Smiles. Does anybody want to give a recap on that? Super Smiles. You got a guy walking along the street with a robot. There's a crowd of people. One guy says, look, a real robot. And the guy's walking into a patent attorney's office. And he's thinking, I worked for years to build him. Now that he works, I'm going to patent my invention. And then he turns to the robot and says, once you're copyrighted, no one can make a robot like you. Sit down while we're waiting. And the robot says, I will not. Sit down when I tell you I'm the master. And it says, pow. And then the patent officer says, yes, what can I do for you? And the guy's got a black eye and stars swirling around his head. Never mind, I changed my mind about patenting him. And then <laughs> thus the Terminator was born. <laughs> Miles Dyson. Skynet. It is your nature to destroy yourselves. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> 
No, we think it's funny now. Yeah, it's funny now. Yeah, everybody's laughing. We're yeah, having everybody time. laughing it up. <laughs> we know it's coming. Robo apocalypse. Comes back to another Guns Guns and Roses song too. Oh yeah. Written by Elton John. A lot of people don't know that. <laughs> oh, that's not pretty good, Pat. Lips smack. Oh, yeah. Uh, like smacking in your cocaine tongue, you get nothing done. You can be mine. You're a man. You got me. You've been terminated. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. I think the artist on here is Henry Botinoff for uh, both of these two little short, funny stories. So I, I, I definitely found the first one more funny. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah. But now that I got the Terminator into it. First recorded uh, act of machine on human violence right there. That's right. If you have any questions, comments, or so about this issue, give us a call. Or give us a call. No <laughs> calls. Can, yeah. Call yeah. in and go ahead. Send us a voicemail. Uh, you can email us, too, at contact at longboxcrusade.com or make a comment on the Twitter or Facebook page. We'll be right back. Warlord Worlds. A fan podcast devoted to the comics of writer and artist Mike Grell, including The Warlord, John Sable, Green Arrow, Star Slayer, and Shaman's Tears. I'm Ruth. And I'm Darren. Please join us as we discuss the stories, characters, and art in the many excellent comics from writer and artist Mike Grell. Special episodes feature interviews with Mike Grell himself. And special segments feature great guests discussing the Legion of Superheroes. Listen at Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and YouTube. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or visit warlordworlds.com. Warlord Worlds is part of the Rad Adventures Network at radadventuresnetwork.com. Welcome back from the break. We hope you liked the promo played from a friend of the show, and we'll give it a listen. Let's continue on with the show. Now it's time to scan through the issues for the top ads that stand out to us in a segment called Add It Up. up. Let's begin with our first winner ad, and let's go to Jason for that. If I had to pick an ad that jumps out of me or a product that I would love to have, it's this Kirby Unleashed. Apparently, it's a, a collection assembled from Jack Kirby's personal collection, supersized pages of comic history, six color paintings that are giant size, and a full color wraparound cover painting for the low, low price of $4. I did a little internet research here on the internet webs and found that. If you had a really good copy of it today, you could get about $30 to $40 for it in today's market. It's like average price is about 15 to 16 But still, it would be cool to have for my comic collection. So that's my favorite. For my ad, I chose the hodgepodgey flea market ads here. And just to kind of go through a few of these gems that were available at the time, you can get an 8mm motion picture projector for only $6.98. Nice. Yeah, you can watch different movies on there as well. That takes me back to like school when you had the film projector and you had to watch those movies <laughs> next to that you got some karate jujitsu judo boxing judo boxing training that you can get for you can pick up a book for a dollar you got some weighted wrists to help you you get some arm builder action there going on we have my favorite the x-ray specs and of course if you're going to have a picture of a guy in x-ray specs he's going to mm-hmm. be trying to look through oogling a lady figure in the shadows and looks like you can see through her skirt and he's got yeah, a big smile on his face. Right that's right <laughs> uh, must also- have Yep, you have a secret book safe with a combination lock on it where it looks like a book, but really when you open it up, you can hide your stuff, your your stash in there. I have one of those. Yeah? I keep my Kindle in it. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> See what I did there? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I got jokes. <laughs> <laughs> 
And that's only a dollar for that, too. On the, the rest of the page is some monster size monsters. They're seven feet tall and the authentic colors with glow in the dark eyes. You can put these on your wall. So I'm thinking these are kind of like a fathead. Yeah, they're kind of cool looking. I, no. I kind of wish I had one. <laughs> it's Frankenstein. And then the other one is a skeleton with his mouth. It's just like all open in his. <laughs> He's not very terrible. He's like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> He's like walking towards you like, hey, guys. <laughs> I'm just so hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I got a bone to pick with you. Oh. <laughs> See, I got the funny <laughs> I thought that joke was pretty humorous. And, uh, <laughs> and you got um, Frankenstein kind of, I don't know if he's like trying to do a Macarena or something, his hand. Kind of point out. Like, right. <laughs> and his arms by his side like, my side hurts. Macarena, all right. <laughs> That's what I chose. So, Jared, why don't you finish us off with uh, your pick? One thing I want to point out before we move on from monster-sized monsters, because when you get monsters, you want them to be Mm monster-sized. Only a dollar with a 10-day free trial. Who's trying this out for 10 days? Like, I don't know. (laughs) I'm not ready to come in yet. <laughs> uh, I'm not so sure. <laughs> Speaking of that, just as I'm reading it through, where you cut out to send it in, it says, I enclose a dollar plus 25 cents for postage and handling for each. If I don't get shivers or of delight, I can return my purchase within 10 days and you will refund the full purchase price. <laughs> That's a bargain. Yes. There you go. My ad is just inside the front cover. It is for a derivative of Hot Wheels called Three Wheel Rumblers. It says the three-wheeled rumblers are here. And I say that because it's spelled with three R's. Rumblers. You can get the bold eagle, the chopping chariot, the Roman candle, and the revolution. And I also did my homework on these rumblers. Checked them out on the electronic bay or eBay, if you will. And I discovered, A, that they don't look nearly as cool as they do in these pictures. They're not nearly as detailed. But B, there is a serious collector's market for these. Depending on condition and whether you got two or three in a lot or the carrying case or whatever. I I saw these going regularly anywhere from $20 for just one of them to a couple of them for like $200. There's a market for these. So I I know that there are Hot Wheel collectors out there. So I suspect this is one of those things where they just kind of, you know, Mattel just kind of tried it out. Have you ever heard of Rumblers before? I haven't. No. No, Um, I can't say that I have. Was it just like a Hot Wheel? Yeah, it's just like a Hot Wheel, except it's like these dudes riding these three-wheeled trikes. Same size? Yeah, about the same size. Okay. And so I think probably it was just like, hey, we'll try this. They didn't do super good, but Hot Wheel collectors still want them, so I think they're pretty rare. So three-wheeled Rumblers. If you were going to ride one of these around town, which one would you ride? We will start with Pat. I'd have to do the roaming candle. Yeah, that one's pretty cool. It's kind of almost militaristic with like these big jet pack candles on the back like you yeah. would do. You'd probably kill yourself, but nah. fair enough. I can Jason? handle it. I got my cycle license. I can handle that. All right. Yeah, I got, I Man, got my cycle I'm license. Going, I'm going bold eagle. <laughs> it looks really comfortable like like that. Yeah. Like he's just kicking back. And could you imagine somebody driving down the street and they look in their rear view mirror <laughs> they see that coming up at them? Yeah. Bold eagle. Just, yeah, I agree on bold eagle, but follow up question would you also wear the top hat i assume that came with bold eagle okay just saying all right yeah i agree with you on bold eagle i do like roman candle a lot but i'm a bold eagle kind of guy i do live in a liberal state so they'll probably make me wear a helmet but (laughs) maybe there's a top hat exclusion you know i can grandfather in the bold eagle i don't know we'll have to look into that more. (laughs) look into it I think you need to have the top hat that that just finishes it off. I agree. And the orange suit. Mm-hmm. Which one did you like, Jared? I'm with you on Bold Eagle all the way. I mean, remember I <laughs> went to Auburn. Our battle cry is War Eagle. We have an eagle that flies around the stadium before every game. Yeah. He's wearing an orange suit. Our colors are orange and blue. Uh-huh. So I'd definitely pimp some blue out on that as well and just ride that sucker to every Auburn game. Well, could you town. imagine, though? Because I, I you got go. you that full body suit, freaky full body suit. Yes. I do you have could a wear that. Yeah, I mean, I'm wearing it now. <laughs> you could wear that on that motorcycle, man. That was hell. Yeah, you can get some looks. <laughs> cool. I can't wait to see that picture. <laughs> Well, if uh, you guys got a comment or question on these, let us know and you can contact us at contact at longboxcrusade.com or make a comment on the Facebook page. With that, let's get into the next segment called Way Back in Time. 
Once again, it is time to take another revealing peek back into history. What famous date shall I set it to today, Mr. Peabody? June 1972. Got it! major news for June of 1972 is on June 2nd, Wayne Brady, American actor and comedian, the Wayne Brady Show and Whose Line Is It Anyway, was born in Columbus, Georgia. Just a scant four days later, David Bowie, may he rest in peace, released the rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust. I'm a David Bowie fan, so I am down with that. Staying with the music scene, on June 9th, Bruce Springsteen signs a record deal with Columbia. On uh, June 10th, Continuing with the music theme here, we have Elvis Presley records a live album at New York City's Madison Square Garden. Movies released June 1972, Jared? Yes, on June 21st, 1972, a thriller suspense movie called Frenzy was released. It did pretty well at the box office, $12.6 million, but I have never heard of it. Got nothing on that one. Nothing. Just nine days later, there's one that we've all heard of that shocked the world with $45 million. Really, there should just be like a ticker that keeps going on this one because it's Deep Throat, the classic. I got nothing on that one. I've actually never seen it either. Hmm. Did you see it? (laughs) I may have. I heard that it really sucked. (laughs) double entendre folks with that let's go into the top three songs uh, that were according to billboard at the time number three is the first time ever i saw your face by roberta flack the first time ever i saw saw your face face. Don't think that's how it goes. (laughs) (laughs) So that's a radio edit. Number two is the Shy Light singing, Oh Girl. Oh girl, I'd be in trouble if you left me now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Where the love for love, but I just, I just don't have. Oh girl. I think we're ready to go on tour. Yeah, there we go. Oh, I, I really like the number one song, but that, that we'll let Jason bring that one home. The number one song is I'll Take You There by the Staple Singers. Well, that's going to do it for the top three songs from June of 1972. So let's going to bring an end to this part of the show. So you got a question or a comment on these? Send us an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com. Or you can also follow or leave a comment on the Twitter at Longbox Crusade. We'll be right back. Film and Water Podcast, a weekly show about movies old and new, hosted by obsessive movie nerd Rob Kelly and a rotating series of special guests. From sci-fi to horror, dramas to family films, comedies to adventure epics, we watch it all. The Film and Water Podcast is part of the Fire and Water Family of Podcasts, available weekly at fireandwaterpodcast.blogspot.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. And that's a wrap on this lost episode. We apologize for the lack of feedback section on this one, but we'll still be doing feedback on the new episodes. Just not on the lost episodes since they're out of our normal timeline. And I blame The Flash for that. But a huge thank you to all of our fans, followers, and friends out there who continue to support us through your likes, shares, and retweets. We really do enjoy making this show just for you. And thanks for traveling back into our pre-dark web days for a retro adventure with Action Comics. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. So hit us up on Twitter at Longbox Crusade, Facebook at Longbox Crusade, or email us at contact at longboxcrusade.com. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time.
discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended, and it is for entertainment purposes only. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics. Outtakes. Oh, yeah. Did you do the quarter bin show tonight? Yeah. Man, yeah. two podcasts in one day. I know. And did you go to work? Just goes through his... He randomizes. Oh, cat got in here. Oh, Buffy. <laughs> he random- Just ignored Jason. Yeah. <laughs> you sent me a thing that said, hey, uh, you'd heard me on the, oh, the, yeah. the Mort's episode of Fire and Water. And you said, hey, I like, I heard it sounded good. And I was like, hey, thanks, man. And then you were like, hey, if you ever want to be on the show. Oh, yeah, that's right. And, okay. I, and then I was like, yeah. And you were like, shit. Oh, crap. <laughs> well, with that, how are you guys doing? Okay. Well, <laughs> I was like, yeah. you didn't bring a lot of enthusiasm. Uh, to this episode. Edit that out. All Jared does is just show up here. And that's it. <laughs> jokes, 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 jokes. <laughs> Take and it away, Pat. And they're not even that good. Oh, oh man, it's good to hear from you again, Mister Hurt Feelings. <laughs> if you see Pat around, tell him I'm ready to do the show. Able to will himself into a thousand and one chemical forms, he became the fabulous freaking. Oh, <laughs> he became that fabulous. <laughs> uh, Love this show. <laughs> yeah, start over. And please join us for the next episode as we continue on the crusade to read them all. Read them all. Read them all. Damn it, Jason. <laughs> I think I. I think I came in like right between you and. And, and Pat at that last time. Yeah. <laughs> I was waiting, man. I was like, God. I was like a jumper in the door. Just. <laughs> <laughs>